famously then. What is up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 11 of Jam Session here on the Multiplex Entertainment Podcast feed. I am your host, Brooklyn Vale. Uh, every other Monday, uh, I bring on I bring on a guest and we talk about music. Uh, this time, though, I brought somebody now who's not from the community. They're actually, uh, actually from PEI, uh, my little area. Yes, there is more than one person that does exist here, uh, and they are from the East of the Dial podcast, and that is one Joey Adams. Uh, Joey, how you doing? Uh, not too bad, buddy. Thanks for having me on the show. You know, thanks for the old plug there, the old podcast. Appreciate it. High five, all around. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is this is sort of special because I've had people from like because essentially what it is is that we're part of like a massive trivia community. There's like movies, music, pop culture, and whatnot. So um, after I had looked at your list, I noticed that there were some similarities with somebody in the community and. Uh, this person and I, we collaborate quite frequently. He helps out with, with, with miscellaneous. Uh, if any time I've done an episode of Your List sucks, uh, he was on. He was on uh, one of them for sure, and I know he submitted a list for every other one. Uh, mm-hmm. But that is one Andrew Barr. Uh, Andrew's joining me today for the uh, first time. Uh, we're gonna have three people on the show. Andrew, how are you doing? Hi, Brooklyn. I'm still mad at you for giving me that ra- uh, that uh, that grade you did for that episode of Your List Sucks, but uh, I forgive you enough to come back. Uh, I'm, I'm, this is the first time uh, I've been co-hosting, so uh, yeah, yeah, this this is gonna be fun. I can't wait to talk about some of these these great choices, actually. Yeah, there's a there's some really interesting top really interesting topics here. Uh, but be, for those who have never listened to the show, how the show works is um, I give the same 15 questions uh, to every guest that I have, and then they submit in their list, and uh, I or Andrew or whoever whoever's on will listen to uh, anything that we need to, and then we talk about it. Uh, but before we get into it, I always talk. I always like to ask before. Um, Music is one of the many forms of like escapism. You know, people go to people go to movies, music, art. Um, Joey, what is it about music that really keeps you coming back? Um, I think um, you know, one thing I've said before in the past is music is kind of like the catalyst that brings everybody together. Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of like yeah. that. It's a, it's an equal playing field. You know what I mean? Like you could have people from all over the world. Like I never met this dude, this handsome dude with the red shirt on, but like apparently he likes Butch Walker. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, singer, man. It's um, but I don't know, man. I think music has just always been such a big part of my life that I I don't I don't really think of it like contextually like outside of itself. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just it's just part of my life. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, but yeah, man. I don't know. I think it's 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 something that's that's always there and always reliable. You know what I mean? And regardless of what you're going through in your life or what you're feeling, there's always there's always music. You know, there's always something there. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. I think there's so many, so many ways that you can use music to either cope or you know uh, cheer yourself up or or feel better. That's what I love about it. I always say that uh, that music is the greatest drug that uh, anybody ever created because you know there's no real like bad side effects. You know, we just listen to good music and sometimes bad bad music. Uh, but let's move on to uh, let's go to question number one. Start things off. Uh, who is your favorite artist? Oh Jesus, man! Is that me? You tell me. Yeah, that's, that's you. Oh yeah. yeah. This is all oh you. yeah. Yeah, man, we uh, we had a little bit of a battle when you sent me these questions, man. I sent you some pretty long winded shit. I just um, I'll I'll just kind of tell you like, I'll just kind of repeat myself, I guess. I mean, that's 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 a, it's a tough one. It's 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 way too hard for me to pinpoint like a favorite. Um, especially nowadays, like I find my favorite artists is kind of it's like they're it's a revolving door, basically. You know what I mean? It's always changing. Um, when I was younger, of course, like you know, when you're young and stupid, you don't know any better you kind of you cling to stuff you know but then 
the older you get, you kind of broaden your horizons a little bit. You know what I mean? So it, it changes all the time. Um, but I mean, you know, like I, I, I was lucky enough. I grew up in a household where like my parents had like really good taste in music. Right. So I grew up on, you know, the Beatles and the Stones and the Eagles and say what you want to put the Eagles, you know. Oh, the Eagles are the, the Eagles are my second favorite band ever. So yeah, yeah man, you know, so I don't know if people shit on the fucking the dude got it so wrong, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I I guess if I had to pick one, you know, I think as far as a musical group, um, both individually and as a band, I think you know the Beatles probably had the biggest influence on me. I know that's kind of a cop out answer, right? But. <gasps> You know what I mean? It's everybody's going to say the Beatles, right? But uh, I mean, it's true. I mean, you, it's hard to argue the way to that, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Beatles were mentioned uh, last episode, uh, or not last episode, the episode before with Malcolm. Uh, but I, I mentioned on there how Beatles really have, they have so much uh, diversity in terms of like, in terms of their records and how they progress throughout the time. I'm actually one of the people that think that like they think their earlier stuff is, is, is their, is their better stuff and whatnot. Like you're, uh, I saw her standing there, uh, the cover of Twist and Shouts, uh, like Taxman, uh, Paperback Writer, that's sort, that sort of thing. Even though I do like, I think Sergeant Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band is probably like my favorite album. It's that era that I think that I th- that, I th- that I think is really cool. But then you go into like like their psychedelic stuff, and and then you go into like I wouldn't even call it like gospel, but like essentially the let it like the Let It Be record um, had a, had some more of those sort of vibes to it. Um, but Andrew, I know that you are also a lover of lover of the Beatles. Yeah, if you can't tell, I have um, two uh, two pressings uh, hanging on my wall. Um, yeah, no, the Beatles, they're fantastic. Um, they've really stood the test of time because, um, they were able to adapt with the times as well as, uh, the fact that their production was always so stellar, um, and was, as I said, able to ship well with the times. The Beatles, yeah, absolutely. The Beatles are fantastic. Yeah. Think, uh, yeah. oh, sorry. Jeff, Jeff. No, just, the, the thing that I've always dug about the Beatles is that they were always unapologetically the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like if they ever kind of branched away from, you know, the norm or whatever, you know what I mean? Or kind of outside the body, like they didn't give a shit. Do you know what I mean? No, absolutely. And you can tell by like the way they presented themselves the first time they came to America when they were essentially mocking the, uh, the press who was kind of like making fun of them when they, before they Mm -hmm. arrived. Yeah. Uh, the I guess the follow up question then for you, for you, Joey, uh, would be like there was a lot of spin off acts that came, that came off the Beatles. You know, Paul went on to do Wings. John would do a solo career. Ringo would do whatever Ringo did. Yeah, I'll um, start, man, and yeah. then and then George uh, and then George uh, he did solo work as well. But he did he also did the Traveling Wilburys, uh, which is probably my favorite thing to like come off of the Beatles. Uh, so I, I guess I'll throw that question to you. Well, I mean, I get a lot of shit for this, but Ringo's my favorite Beatle. Um, cause Ringo, Ringo's hands down the coolest Beatle. If you think about it, look, Ringo had, Ringo had the easiest job in the Beatles, whereas he just <laughs> played the drums and didn't have to play them very well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, if you're in a band with John Lennon and Paul McCartney and all you have to do is just be Ringo, do you know what I mean? Like that guy had the greatest job in rock and roll ever. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he was the backbeat to the greatest band of all time. And he's not even that great of a drummer. You know, there's that old joke when somebody yeah, who's, you know, is Ringo Starr, the greatest drummer in the world. He's not even <laughs> he, the greatest drummer in the Beatles, which the Beatles. is, yeah, I don't, I don't think that, I think that's like been debunked. I don't think it's true, but I mean, it's still kind of, it's, it's still kind of funny, right? And it's, it is kind of true. 
I mean, he still. I mean, he still has some. He still has some good songs. Like even in the Beatles, I one of my favorites is actually um, a little help from my friends. Right. Uh, right. I actually I love that part of the sec of the second parter. Um, and then you know he got away with like Octopus Garden. Octopus's Garden. <laughs> yeah. I love Octopus's Garden. I'm not gonna lie. And I Yellow really Submarine too, right? Yeah, I mean, you can't yeah. submarine. Um, no, but you're right. I mean, the Wilburys. I mean that that whole thing. That was like the first real super group that I kind of really understood yeah. was a super group right um and i mean you can't argue those two will be records you know and jesus christ i mean anybody that can get roy orbison doing backing vocals yeah you know what i mean yeah i mean and then and then like even even when you when you hear the stories like tom petty wasn't even supposed to be in the band they were just i think they were jamming yeah. at his house and he's like hey i can play bass and sing as well and it's like well we already have george harrison jeff lynn bob dylan bob and roy dylan. orbison what what else can we do here? <laughs> we'll find something for you to do but even yeah. the stories too like um most of those recording sessions were just done at George's house, right? And there'd be nights where they were just sitting around. And I mean, imagine being a fly on the wall at George Harrison's house from Bob Dylan. And you know what I mean? Like just, just to hear the conversation. But I mean, like it was just a combination of them just sitting around and passing around different fucking ukuleles. Do you know what I mean? And just like, and how awesome is that? You know? Um, and then Jeff Lynn too. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, like very very underrated musician in his own right and a producer like a, a fucking genius the same really thing. a fucking genius you know so the fact that we were lucky enough to have a band like that that I, like gave us two records not just one because usually with a super group it's you know it's it's one and done you know it's hit it and quit yeah. it and then they never do anything again but i mean they made that second record which is just as good if not better than that first record you know so um Anyway, I got, I got, I got winded. So yeah, like favorite side project. Um, I don't know, man. You know, geez, Paul had some great shit, some great solo shit. Wins yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I think, I think you got to give it to the Wilburys, man. I mean, I the, yeah. the proof's just in the pudding there. You know. Um, I, I've never had, I never had the chance, but I've always wanted to go back. Uh, whatever Paul, Paul was with. Uh, I think it was yeah, Dave Grohl and uh, and Chris Novoselic, whatever they did, Servana. Um. <laughs> that would that, that that would be cool. Oh, for the Sound City sessions here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, so that kind of answered your favorite band question. But um, there was something here in your notes that I that I wanted to sort of touch on. Uh, because the 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 first band that you have here that you said that you that you discovered um is the is the Spashing, is the uh the Spashing Pumpkins. Um, and the album the album in particular that that you had they had said, said that you bought uh was Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Um, and for me. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins was was a band that I had never really gotten into. Like whenever I, whenever I should have, I was really into like you know Foo Fighters, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam. Uh, God, who else was it? Uh, Third Eye Blind, uh, Goo Goo Dolls, all, all of them. But for some reason, Smashing Pumpkins was was never in there. Nineteen seventy nine was was good, and like Tonight Tonight uh, was you know that that symphonic rock song that I think we all sort of associate with when you come when it comes to like that genre in particular. Um, and I had finally listened to this album, and I'm glad. I'm glad that this was that this was somehow mentioned in here because not only is this a long album, it's a, it's, it's a double, uh, but there's some really really good tunes in here. There's uh, th oh yeah, man. It, I mean, there's a lot of fluff too. There's a lot of filler on that record. Um, but the the way I've always kind of described that record is there's at least a solid one record worth of good songs on it. Do you know what I mean? Like all the way through, it's it's kind of hit or miss. But I think it just kind of 
it it gives you at least if you've never listened to the pumpkins before it kind of gives you the best of all they have to offer you know what i mean like they have their kind of more poppy stuff they have of course their grungy stuff but then they have like their kind of weird like porcelain of the vast oceans which is a fucking great tune mm. and then they get like super crazy with like tales of a scorched earth and xyu and fuck you and ode to no one and just all these like fucking nasty fucking rock you know what i mean yeah um so that was the first record that i bought with them and it was basically the same reason why everybody brought bought it because we that tonight tonight video right yeah lack of much yeah. music was still relevant and actually played music you know and so I watched that and I just picked it up and it was, and I'm glad I did. Right. Because by buying that record, I discovered, I went back into their back catalog and I found about Gish and Siamese dream and you know what I mean? It, which are still two of my favorite records to this day, you know, like, um, Gish is special. Siamese dream is a fucking perfect record, you know, for the, for the time. And for that band, it's a fucking perfect record, but like Gish is so good. Fucking you got me on the pumpkins, man. But yeah, that's, uh, it's it's the first record that like, or the first band that I identified with. Do you know what I mean? That I kind of discovered on that I thought was like nobody else knew about. You know what I mean? Like, so I thought I was like the, you know what I mean? And then mm -hmm. I found out like they were the biggest fucking thing, and then it kind of ruined it for me. I don't know why that's a thing either. You know what I mean? Like yeah. somehow you're like you think this fucking band's awesome, and then you find out they get popular, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, fuck these say suck, man. These guys suck. I had the. I had the opposite effect here with the tragic with the tragically hip. Uh, so like, they're all they're one of the they're the one of the biggest Canadian bands ever. Um, so I was like, I, I came in, you know, lo like loving their stuff, and then I was like, because I had because I used to run uh, specifically in music trivia league, um, and I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll ask a tra tragically hip question. You know, some Americans must have must have heard of them, um, no. and I and I got there and they're like, nope, like we talking about? So you know, yeah, sorry. Which is a shame, man. And that's it's kind of true with most Canadian bands. And, you know, I, I kind of have I had a little bit of insight into that when I was working in the industry. You know, it's Canadian music is is so fucking tough to break. Um, you know, I've, actually, I've been trying to get more into um, Canadian music. Like I listened to Arkells recently and I oh, really like Arkells. Um, there's there was one song by them that I listened to recently that I just really loved. Um, crawling through the window yeah uh th that song was just so good and i've been meaning to listen to more canadian bands they will fucking not not only are they a great band they will blow your goddamn mind live i don't know if you've oh, ever seen sure. Cows live same with july talk have you heard july talk I, I, I have seen yes i have seen july talk four times and oh, i'll see them every single time um yeah, um their new single pay for it uh is really really damn good like i've listened to it 12 times in one day good um, it has a. It's actually funny. You mentioned funny. Mentioned July talk because that single in particular has a very like Beatles sort of uh, yeah Beatles sort of, sort of vibe to it. Um, and it's about them being being attacked uh, during at a diner. <laughs> yeah, man, they're fucking. It's a great band. I saw them live. They're opening. It was Matt Mays and July talk and um, uh, I can't remember the other was band. It the, was it was it the Beaches? Was it was, was the beaches. Court? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we saw because we saw them whenever they were whenever they were in Halifax, and the beaches were were really good too. Oh, dude, dude, what? Nothing better than a chick band. I know there's uh, I know there's a lot of chick bands that are like fuck you, don't call us chick bands. But that, you know, I don't mean chick bands. I just mean it's a chick band. You know, if you're four yeah. chicks in a band, you're a chick band. Um, but yeah, man. Fuck. Anyway, I got off topic yeah. there. Uh yeah, but no, it's it, it, it's good. It's good. I'm glad that somebody else loves loves July talk. Uh, I I personally loved whenever they played at the uh, at the beer festival or not beer festival uh the brewing company 
Um, yeah. I, yeah. Because uh, I think that's honestly the, the perfect venue for them. It's like the right size. I don't know if they can fully do an arena yet. Um, but like that 100 to 200 capacity cr uh, crowd, I think is whenever, whenever they whenever they shine. But um, to get to question number three, uh, this is definitely the most in most interesting in terms of like normally somebody's like, oh, well, what do you mean by genre artist? Well, bubble like you know what I mean, like uh, country, hip hop, or jazz or something. Yeah, and then they pick that. But um, but you could say you did not do that. You did something entirely different. Uh, why don't you tell us about that? Well, I just I think I think genres are just a are just a fucking piece of shit you know what i mean i just i don't think there's any real merit to labeling music like and that's going to sound elitist as fuck but for me i mean i i break down music into two genres and that is shit that i dig and shit that i don't dig you know what i mean because i i don't think it should matter if it's fucking alt country or outlaw country or fucking death metal or black metal or norwegian fucking black you know what i mean like it's just it's it's just subcategorizing things to fit a niche of people. Do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. if you're identifying yourself because of the genre of music that you listen to, I mean, it's kind of defeating the purpose to listen to music in the first place. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it, it has its place. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're yeah. a pop punk, you know, I, I get it, but like, it's just, there, there, I find, especially now there's, there's just too much of it. You know what I mean? Like if you go back yeah. to the fifties and sixties, there was rock, there was country, there was jazz, you know what I mean? And that kind of all fit, but then it just kind of, there's so much shit out there now that there's like, it's just hard to fucking wrap your head around it. Right. So it's like, why don't you just stop labeling shit and yeah. just listen to music? And if you dig it, you dig it. And if you don't, then you don't. Yeah. I mean, especially I, with I all see, of these sub genres yeah. that are popping up, as you said, like there's pop punk, there's hard punk, like neo punk, grindcore, grindcore, like, yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, post hardcore. Like even like even bands like I remember like because uh, I, I mean I, every episode I somehow, somehow mentioned her. Uh, my wife is a massive pop is a massive pop punk fan, um, and I remember listening to Alexis on Fire, uh, and I was like, oh man, these guys are great pop punk, and she's like, nope, they're post hardcore, and I was like. <laughs> These guys are these guys are pop punk though. These guys are the most <laughs> pop punk band that could pop punk. Um, but yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I, I think the um, I think one of the one of the bigger culprits of, of that of like of just being I'd say almost too diluted um, is the is the metal genre because um, there's so it's like black metal, new metal, death metal, extreme death metal, pirate uh, metal, like technical death metal, Celtic <laughs> metal, uh, Viking metal, glam metal, yeah. pirate metal is a thing. Yeah, how is yeah. But I mean, and, and another part of it too is like, if you, if you flip it around and you put it on, you know, from the perspective of somebody who is an artist, you're a musician, you know what I mean? And you spend all this time writing this music and performing this music. And then all of a sudden somebody who you've never met, who doesn't understand what you're doing, just slaps a label on it. And then all of a sudden you're lumped into this category of something that you might not necessarily adhere to or subscribe to, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's kind of an unfair thing, you know? If I mean, if an artist is all good and right to say, you know, I'm a fucking jazz pianist, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, then he gets it, right? But like, yeah. I just think it's kind of unfair for us to label somebody else's art as something that it might not necessarily have ever been intended to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, Andrew, you're saying. Like one artist that um, I, I kind of have that feeling towards is Sturgill Simpson. Um, like he he does like country and rock and like, but he also like bends into like psychedelic rock and pop and like all of that. And there's so many different things going on in his music 
that like whenever anyone tries to label him as like just one singular thing, I'm like, you can't really do that with him. Well, yeah, and it's 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 like in my answer too. I said, I mean, how do you categorize somebody like David Bowie or Nick Cave or oh, or Tom Waits? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you just, I don't. There's just there's they're just Tom Waits. It's Nick Cave. You know what I mean? It's just it's Alexis on fire. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's that band. You know, um, and I, I get it. You know, there's a time and a place, and it helps people. Like if you're if you're just getting into music, it kind of gives you an idea of what you're getting into. Um, so there's there's a time and a place for it, but like working in the industry, there's been so many times, you know, there's been great bands, local bands especially, that could have had a place in mainstream terrestrial radio, but because they're a metal band, you know, they don't they're not given the time of day. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. it's just kind of a weird, you know, what I mean, it it means nothing. It it really doesn't really mean anything. You know, it's just a fucking yeah. The raw um. The rock genre, in, in in particular, might be might be suffering suffering from that because I find I find here and like and even and even elsewhere whenever I whenever I lived uh, whenever I lived in Moncton, um, is that like you know when you go to a rock station, it's it's nineties and like early two thousands and like you know you know you don't really hear um, a lot of a lot of stuff from today like you know Billy Talent put out a record within within the last few years, um, the Struts, uh, somebody that Jim Green mentioned to me and I believe also you mentioned you mentioned to me I remember you played one of their uh, their first singles, I think it was "Kiss This," was the uh, was the single from "Everybody Wants." Uh could be. I don't know. The Struts, yeah. Anyways, um, really, they're really good, really good glam metal. Uh, but again, that's sort of set, sort of categorizing them into into a genre. Uh, but um, let's move on then to uh, to question number five, four. Sorry, uh, what is your favorite album? Oh, dude. Uh, now, well, for now, for this one, I know you had you had you had put you had put a bunch, and I was like, all right, I have to, I have to, I have to sort of lock you in, lock you in into one because I've because within the last few guests, I've tried to <laughs> try to delve more into the albums. Uh, so, yeah. what was the album that you picked that you uh, you want to you want to break down? I think we went with um, with Butch Walker's record from 2016, um, right. "Stay Gold." Um, and uh, don't get me wrong, I, I I love all of Butch's stuff. I think Butch is is great. Um, but I don't know. There's something, it's just the, the, the layout of this record, the way that it's sequenced, uh, the songwriting is just fucking unbelievable, man. Like it's, it's, if you listen to this record, like in sequence, it's basically like a guy's fucking heartbreaking. Pretty you know well. I mean? Yeah. It's like uh, a perfect document of like somebody breaking up. You know what I mean? And I know that's a sad thing to maybe like enjoy or whatever, but um, it's just a fucking great record, man. Like every song on that record is fucking fire, man. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the concept of the album doesn't really hit until until you get to descending, uh, yes. which would be which would be which would be the first ballad. Uh, but I but I, I definitely get that whenever, especially whenever you get into like. Um, Next, like Mexican Coke, uh, can we just not talk about last night? Um, record store, I think is, uh, I think is one of the one of the better closers on an album, and it's really a good example of uh, like how to fade out. Um, and then I re- like, I, I, I think it was upon like the third third listen, I had finally realized what it was about. Um, and it's just you know, let's let's go back, to, let's go back to the record store where we where we had first met, but that record store isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like trying to go back to that love that was that was there. Um, and it's, I think it's, a, I think it's an issue that isn't really like tackled a whole lot in terms of uh in terms of songwriting because it's often about like you know falling in love or like about like the breakup but you never you never really get anything about like the about the descent 
of a, of a relationship. It's always, yeah. it's always like a, always a finite sort of answer. Um, but I know that, uh, that Andrew is a massive fan of, oh my God, uh, Ashley Monroe. Yes. Uh, who was, who, who was featured on, on Descending. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the and first she's song. on. I think she's on Ludlow Expectations too. Maybe I possibly. That's the, the I think that's the correct one. Um, yeah. The the moment um, I saw Ashley Monroe was on this album. I was like, oh, well, gotta listen to it now if if this guy has her approval. And it's my favorite song on the album. And it's not just because of her, but because like it is the midway point. It is, it is pretty much like if you took it as like a story, it's almost like the end of Act One or like the intermission, um, and that's when like everything really starts to set in and sink and settle. Um, yeah, no, I think this album is really great. I, I agree. Record Store is one of the better endings to an album I've heard in a while um, because, like, what happens when? you kind of want to revisit something that made you happy, but the thing that sparked that is no longer there. It's just a really great ending to a really, really, really solid album. Yeah. It's a, it's a great record. And like, like I'm a lyrics guy, right? Uh, I've always been like a sucker for a good singer songwriter. Um, I think we need more people like Butch Walker, you know, because Mm -hmm. especially in today's climate, like it's just, it's this fucking, no offense to the to the hip hop fans out there, but this fucking mumble rap SoundCloud shit. You know what I mean? The boom, 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 boom. I like if I hear one more fucking, you know what I mean? Like it's just there's no substance to that shit. And like I just find people are just getting so far away from and that's why I love that vinyl's making the big comeback and has yeah, been yeah. For 15 years. Because when you put a record on, it's not like you can skip like a fucking CD. You got to sit no. down, you got to listen to the fucking thing. That's what I, that's what I, that's what I love about Hopyard. Uh, that um, it's a so it for for Andrew, I guess, and everybody else. It's a restaurant here that does uh, that does like a vinyl request pretty well. Um, and they have a, they have a bunch of them in the middle, and you can pick pick whatever you want. Uh, but you have to play the whole thing. Um, and it's, I think it really gives it a really gives an appreciation for the for the entire track for the entire album itself. Yeah, man, and fucking. Um, well, I was gonna say something about, um, but oh yeah. So and and the other thing that about stay gold is, like, it um, lyrically it's so fucking good. Um, yeah. But it, yeah. it it breaks up. It's not all one kind of a, a feeling through the whole record. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh uh, yeah, I could, I could, def- I could definitely see that. Um, yeah. I like think you got I Mexican think Coke and Irish Exit kind of, you know what I mean? And then it's literally just, about uh, to bring up Irish Exit. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. what a fucking great tune, you know? I actually, actually, you know, you know what? Um, Irish Exit is probably my least favorite of the uh, of the bunch. It's just, it's a little too country for me. Um, what I, what I loved, Have what I loved. Wrong. I, I I know. I believe me. I've, I've I've been wrong on many things. Um, but yeah. Uh, upon initially listening to this album, um, I thought it was Matt Mays. Uh, because they have very similar voices and they have very similar sounds. Um, I whenever you initially sent it to me, I thought, okay, this guy must be from like Halifax or something or from Charlottetown. Like, nope, he's from the states. Yeah, um, he's a Georgia boy. Yeah, and uh, I get a lot of. I, I it's great you bring up Matt Mays. I get a lot of Ryan Adams at a Butch Walker. A whole lot of Ryan yeah. Adams vibes at a Butch Walker. Um, with and well, Ryan's on the record, so I guess that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's and I hope we get into Matt Mays too. Um, oh, we de- oh, we definitely, we definitely will. We, we will the best. Uh, but we'll move on now to uh, to question number five. Uh, who was your favorite artist from childhood? Oh man, Elvis, hands down, Elvis. 
Elvis, when dude, when you're five and six years old, <laughs> Elvis is the fucking the coolest fucking dude, man. He still is. Elvis a bad dude, man. That leather suit, that fucking sixty-eight comeback special, dog. Show me, show me any man on the planet cooler than fucking Elvis in nineteen sixty-eight. Nobody, nobody's cooler than Elvis. True. Uh, and I just, yeah, well, I mean, there's just, there's nothing not fucking cool about Elvis, you know? Even Fat Elvis is great. Yeah. You know? yeah. I fucking love Fat Elvis. Up there doing his karate chops and shit. You know, Poke Sal and Annie, you know, just all fat and bloated with his sweat bag hair and his fucking NASA suit. Like, yeah, I was about to say the balls to wear the, some of the things that he did. Because he's Elvis. Yeah. He didn't fucking care, you know? <laughs> Flying a helicopter on top of the White House to give the president a gun. Oh, Who can God. get away with that? Nobody can get away with that, except Elvis. Yeah. He's the well, bad he, dude. Because he, he was the king, king of rock and roll, you know. Um, yeah, it's absolutely. very, it's very similar to like, a, like it's it's sort of it's sort of a bad comparison, but but the more you think about it, the more more it makes sense. He was essentially the Justin Bieber of his time. You got away yeah. with that. You got away, away with anything. Um, <laughs> he's cringing. He's cringing with the Bieber. I mean, I mean, you're cringing, but you're but 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 I'm not wrong. Um, I will say though that Elvis is definitely one of my biggest blind spots. Um, I've just I've never really been interested in, in, in him. Um, I know like my parents and like a lot of people, in a, a lot of like their friends have talked about Elvis, and you know he was this great thing. But I just don't really, I don't know. I just I haven't had that spark to really to to, to go visit him. The I, early... I was on a hit for a while when yeah. I was younger. Um, I got the um, uh, is it? I think it is just the, like the self-titled um, album, like on CD from the library, because I was like, well, I mean, like Elvis, so I have to like listen to parent, like eventually. Yeah. And like the minute, like that deep, almost like rich, ah, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase it uh, other than the way I want to phrase it, but like that rich, smooth, almost like thick as gravy like vocals hit me. I was like, yep, no, I get it. It's silky smoothness. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, but I mean, that, that's the, the early Elvis stuff, Brooklyn, like the sun record stuff when he's just getting going. I mean, that first Elvis record, I mean, the clash stole the, the fucking cover. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they did. You know what I mean? Like, so, and it's songs like mystery train and, you know, blue suede shoes and, and moonlight over Kentucky, you know what I mean? Like it's it's all old classics, but it was done in a way that nobody had ever heard before. And I was a five, six year old kid in 1990, and you know, here's this music that's 43 years old, and it's like, holy shit, man, this fucking shit is unbelievable, you know? Yeah. There's and yeah, so and there's there's never been anybody like him since, you know. Um, there's been people who have kind of come close in like their own respective ways. Like I mean, Prince is another one. Like yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Michael, well, I mean, my, my, like Michael Jackson was sort of, sort of the oh, king, of his, king of his time, but instead of rock, it was, it was, it was pop. Um, I would, and a lot of people would argue. I know, I know, Caleb, Caleb Coho, the, uh, the, the, the editor, and he sort of puts all these things up. I know that he would argue that, that Michael Jackson is is the greatest enter entertainer of, uh, of all time, and he'll uh, he'll fight until the cows come home on that one. Um, but uh one now to the next question uh what's a song that makes you happy and once again you pick you you, you picked a bunch uh but you picked some really good ones <laughs> well i think different songs make you happy for different reasons you know what i mean like and if and if there if there was only ever just one song that made you happy like dude get your fucking life together you know what i mean like how fucking miserable <laughs> could you be you know um but 
I find a lot of stuff. I don't know what it is about the eighties, man, but the eighties just got partying. So right. Do you know what I mean? Like they figured it, they figured it out, man. Uh, It's like fucking monster jams come out of the eighties. And like a lot, like, like Asia, (laughs) a lot of people shit on me because I fucking love Asia. Right. And I get it. I totally get it. I'm right there with you, but I dare you to put heat of the moment on and not fucking jam out the fucking heat of the moment. That's a fucking monster jam, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like hokey shit, like the hollow notes stuff, like hollow notes, great songwriters too, by the way, but like, oh, you know, Holl- and like Don Henley, Oh, like fucking, you know, boys, you know, but and like, but Katrina and the waves, man. Huey yeah. Lewis and the fucking news, man. Yeah. You never get fucking yeah. bad news with Huey. It's I remember. Good. I remember there was one point uh, earlier this year that I went through a Huey Lewis in the News phase, and I'm pretty sure I listened to "I Want a New Drug" probably 20 times that okay. week. And why not? You should. You. I think you should. I think people should wake up every day with Huey Lewis blast another fucking radio. You'll feel better about life. Honestly, yeah. I I did for a little time set my alarm to hip to be square because <laughs> that roll into it is just perfect. Oh, dude, power and love. Fuck. God. Yeah. Um, love. I, uh, so when it, whenever you put whatever you had, you make my dreams come true. It, it reminded me of like back in so this would have been 2010, 2009, So it would have been great, grade eleven or twelve. Uh, you know, we we weren't uh, we weren't old enough to drink quite yet. Uh, but you know what what we would do is we just drive around town, windows windows down, and we blare like this song and other ones, and uh, and then we always got got to that part like the the high the the like the the octave stretch, I guess it would be like. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't I don't even want to do it because I don't think my voice is uh is well stretched out. But everybody tries to hit it, no matter no matter whether or not they uh they, they, they land it. But it's I think it's so fun. Um, yeah, think, it's like you're like evil can evil on that one, man. You get paid for the attack, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Um, and then you also think about like uh that that dance montage from uh, from five hundred five hundred days of summer. Uh, it's also set to. Oh, it's a really, it's a really good movie. It's kind, it's kind of sad, but um, yeah, I haven't seen it either. Oh, you haven't seen it either? Oh, really? No. Yeah, no, no, it's good. Hey, man, it's got Holland Oates in it. I'm down. I'll check yeah. it out. Look, I'm oh. from the Philadelphia area originally, so Holland Oates is built into my bloodstream. <laughs> they should put out a new record, man. They should totally. Put they out a new really record. should. Huey Lewis and the News put out a new record, so why and it's not? Great. Did you listen to it? I've listened to parts of it. I haven't gotten all the way it's through, great, but yes, it's a news record, man. Yeah, you can run. Love the news. All it's right, exactly right. what you want. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll go. We'll go do a complete one eighty on this question. Uh, what is a song uh, that makes you sad? <sighs> you know, and, I don't know, man. You like that's another tough one. And some, you know, sometimes like happy songs can make you sad too, right? That's the thing about music, right? Is like it doesn't it 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 it's it like it transcends that shit you know what i mean like it's a particular song could be playing like the fucking day your dad died you know what i mean it's the happiest yeah. fucking song in the world but every time you hear it you're like i want to fucking mouth for the shotgun with my toe in the trigger you know what i mean like there's some um but if i had to pick, like I, I threw out a couple in that in that list um i remember like the last record that i bought that i listened to that i was like kind of bummed the whole way through but like to, like pleasantly bl- bummed you know what i mean like sad but digging the fact that i was sad you know what i mean yeah um was for emma forever go by bonnie vera that's just a fucking yeah, oh my god such a wow man and that and the wolves act one and two um always gets me man and i learned later 
that that particular song was written. Um, the the director of that video was really good friends with Heath Ledger. And while they were recording, like setting up, he got the news that Heath had passed away. And I guess uh, Justin Vernon or Bon Iver or whatever had wrote that song kind of in memory of the, because he didn't know Heath, but like just to be around those people when it happened kind of inspired this like weird kind of a thing. Right. So then it kind of took on a kind of a whole new meaning. Not that I'm a huge Heath Ledger fan or anything, but um, I just thought it was a cool thing. But yeah, that 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 whole record's got lots of sad songs on it. Oh my god, but that absolutely. one in particular, yeah, that one in yeah. particular gets me. That album is that uh, it's it might be my favorite Bon Iver album um, because it is probably the most raw of uh, <sighs> Justin Vernon's albums. I personally find "Skinny Love" to be one of the saddest songs I've ever, ever heard. Yeah. Um, and but the wolves um for emma forever ago the, stats yeah. So, yeah oh my god but i because what they love that justin vernon did was with the um the the effect that he threw on his vocals uh it actually enhances the um the emotion around it instead of kind of like covers like any singing problems like some other people use that kind of effect for yeah and it is so perfectly used the way that he does it for this album and the multi-layering that he does too and now that now that i mentioned that i i totally forgot about um one of the saddest fucking dudes about like elliot smith any of those elliot smith records man oh jeez like you know from a house on a hill um the song it's twilight i don't know if you know the song twilight from that particular i mean fuck mm-hmm. man that's like a, that's a knife in the heart um but that, uh, yeah. So Elliot Smith is another fucking tragic dude that had so many, so many fucking like, and you could feel that shit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I've tried. Uh, I, I feel feel bad because I don't really have a lot to add to Bonnie Bear because I'm not a massive fan of a fan of him. Uh, I've tried listening to, listening to, to to his songs. They're just not my. They're just not my jam. Yeah, like man. I know. I I know they're, they're you know they're just, they're just not my uh, my cup of tea. But the but the other song that I that I wanted the had out here that I wanted to talk about because uh, I've because I've had a, a a very hard opinion on the Smiths is that the the whole band is great but if you take out Morrissey because uh, he's awful um, but this is actually probably Morrissey's best vocal work um, hands down yeah <laughs> you're not you're not wrong man you're not wrong um, yeah Morrissey's a dick and always has been a dick and an odd dick and a pretentious dick. And uh, nobody likes him except for the yeah. people who really like him. And then you can't change their mind. But you're right. I mean, if you took, but I mean, would the Smiths be the Smiths if they didn't have Morrissey? Probably not. Probably. Yeah, probably you not. know what I mean? Like, and I know that's a shitty thing to say about a band because really that band is Andy Rourke. And in my opinion, is Johnny Meyer. Um, Andy Rourke's one of the best bass players fucking ever. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, that particular, I don't know. I don't know how you can't not, feel something when you hear that you know what i mean because i think everybody's kind of been in that place at least once yeah do you know what i mean where it's yeah. like fucking just just once you know just once let me fucking you know get what i want this time you know yeah you, you just you just uh you just can't, can't catch a break and you know it's frustrating and it's, and it's stressful and yeah. it's and it's like it's almost like a like a, like a it's a way to sympathize with it yeah. you know it, it doesn't necessarily make you like feel better but it's like all right well now some like somebody else understands what, what, what i'm going through and sometimes that's that, that that's all you need um 
but yeah, uh, we'll move on to the next question. Uh, what's your favorite song to perform or sing? Oh God, man, it's been a long time since I've <laughs> played anywhere. Um, when when I did play in a band, we I played in a real shitty fucking. I don't even know. It was, we were shitty. We were just fucking terrible. Um, like what? Like we all we were young and stupid, and we all had instruments and could play them. You know, not well. Um, but you know, we could play them, and uh, we needed a singer. And I figured, well, Bob Dylan can't sing, and he's fucking famous. And Iggy That's Pop just fair. Iggy Pop can't sing, but he's the fucking greatest dude. So. We just did like that's just fucking. I'll take my shirt off and smear peanut butter on myself, and then people will dig it, you know. And they did. That's the fucking weird thing. But uh, yeah, we had, we had some we had some like picture a song called Shit Kicker, and that's what it sounds like. Okay, so like that was probably my favorite tune that we had was Shit Kicker. But like if I was doing covers, because I did like cover tunes, like I don't care who you are, you break out fucking my Sharona in any bar anywhere, people are gonna fucking dig that shit. Yeah, that's just a fucking that's just a fucking fun song to play, right? So I'll throw my Sharona out there or like um anything by fuck anything off born in the USA by Springsteen is gonna yeah. is gonna shake some rump, man. <laughs> no. Don't you sigh at that record. Don't you <laughs> no, sigh at that record for Springsteen as a whole. Dude, yeah. that's a dude. If you don't like born in the USA, then fuck you. There's something <laughs> right. wrong. Yeah. What a fucking great record, man. Nothing yeah. wrong with that record. Nothing, Nothing wrong, wrong with, the with that at record. all. No, not unless you're unless you're Rascal Flatts doing a cover of it, then everything's yeah, wrong with it. Jesus, aren't they like yeah. not? Who's that band that like had to change because like they they? Oh, Lady 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 Antebellum, and then they then they got in more shit because the name that they changed to was already the name of like a of an indie uh, indie R and B artist, I think. Um, and she was black, like, probably was she? Yeah, she's yeah, oh, she's great. yeah, she's black. Yeah, they should just call themselves Aunt Jemima from now on. <laughs> Fucking yikes. yikes. And then yeah, that that's wholesome, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let's move let's move Ooh, right man. along. Whoops. Um, next next question. Uh what's your favorite instrument? To play, um, I play guitar and bass. I'm equally shitty at both. Um but I think like there's there's a lot more room to kind of fuck around with on a guitar. But like I said in my like in my written thing, I've always wanted to play piano. Yeah. I wish I could play piano. Um I just I just find like once you can play that, you kind of know you don't really have an excuse to not know where you're going if you know how to play piano, you know? Yeah. I was I was really I was really glad that piano lessons were the first thing I did. Uh for saying it ended growing up. Um, I've said it, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. That piano is really good in terms of like in terms of music theory. Um, yeah. And actually, um, and Andrew and I, or, or uh, it was it was a post that I, that I had up today. Uh, so because somebody else had, had suggested like what's the better instrument to write with songs uh, is guitar and uh, guitar and piano. Um, and you know, piano I think is the is the general consensus of like it's essentially a blank canvas. It doesn't really have a yeah. doesn't really have a, a set key, but I think the argument that you can give for give for guitars is that it is such a you're only you're you're limited to, to what your tuning is, but there is so many um, there's so many ways that you can alter it. Uh, Goo Goo Dolls are actually a really good example of um, tuning, yeah. of uh, yeah open open tuning, and I think those it's that more like intricate um, aspect of it that I think that I think is a kind of like a high risk high, high risk high reward. Um, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Andrew, because I know that you're a, you're you are a lover. Of piano players like Elton John and Billy Joel, but you're also a fan of of great guitar players. 
yes, I am. Um, I, honestly, I if I had my choice of what instrument I could like learn and like be able to like just magically be able to play, it's definitely piano. Um, I had the chance when I was younger to learn how to play piano. We had uh, well, organ technically. We had an organ at my house. And my mom was always like, hey, do you want to learn how to play piano? And I, and at the time, I was a stupid kid, and I was like, nah, piano's for classical music, and that's lame. Uh, and then we moved, and we got rid of it, and I immediately regretted never being able to learn how to play piano. And then you listen to the E Street Band, and you're like, man, I fucked up. <laughs> yep. Nope. You, you listen to you Tom Petty Records, and you're like, road and, yeah. God damn, you've been my trench. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and like I think, um, I, I think it kind of depends on the context too, right? It, it depends on the artist as well too, you know. Um, but I mean, if, if you go back, I mean, like, can you really argue people like Jackson Brown and Carol King, um, you know what I mean? And and, and Bernie Taupin and Elton John, yeah, yeah. Um, even you know, even to a certain extent, Alice Cooper, um, you know, a lot of songs. It's Steven Tyler too is, believe it or not, a fucking really really good piano player. Yeah. Um, I think once you you like if and I, I don't know if you guys are musicians at all, but if you're ever stuck kind of writing a song, um, and you feel like something's missing, it's usually a keyboard or a piano. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or like an organ. You know, um, it's 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 such a big part, and it rounds things out. You know what I mean? But I mean, you know, you can you can write a song just as just as relevant and beautiful on a guitar than you can on a piano, right? It just I think it kind of depends on the context, but I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit easier, I think. Um, I use that loosely, but like on a piano, I think. Um, I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned Jackson Brown because one of my favorite stories of Jackson Brown is that is actually on the Eagles uh, documentary from from a few years ago. Um, whenever oh, the uh, my eye, yeah, because 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 uh, he was living he was living downstairs and Glenn Fry was was living upstairs and Glenn was like I could I could hear this riff and he would do this riff for like hours upon hours upon hours and he's like and, and you know he would practice that for days and days on end and try to perfect it that song was doc yeah Doctor My Eyes uh, so it's pretty pretty cool to like you know I would would have loved to like be be like a fly and fly in the wall just to like witness that song being made from yeah. start to finish. Yeah, and that's and the, the the kind of the the moral of that story that Glenn kind of released at the end. He said, you know, I was just starting out and just learning how to write songs, and then he's like, and that's when I figured it out. That's how you do it: elbow grease, you know, just sitting down and just you know hours and just figuring it out. You know, it's like the uh, it's it's like it's like the Dave Grohl quote when somebody asked him about American Idol. It's like, no, you got to go be, go be in a garage band and go suck go suck at it for a while. Keep Absolutely. sucking, and then eventually, and then eventually, you're gonna get pretty good. Or you'll still suck, and people will dig it. You know? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, look at look at Nickelback. <laughs> but, oh, oh man! Oh, okay. Oh, look, boy. I gotta, Yikes. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta throw this out real quick with the Nickelback right. thing. Okay, and this is coming from a guy who worked in mainstream terrestrial radio. Okay, listen, right. it's easy to hate on Nickelback, and I get it. I don't fucking like Nickelback. I never did. But the fact that they're a Canadian band and made it as huge as they did mm-hmm. is, is it says something. And I will say to anybody who's ever shat on Nickelback, go see that fucking band live and they will knock your fucking socks off. Really? I don't, I I don't like them. I have heard that. Yeah. I don't like them. One hell of a fucking band, my friend, like really fucking good musicians, but uh, not, not a big, not a big band, but you know, 
Yeah, I've heard. I've heard, I've heard people saying for yeah, I've heard people saying for, for for their concerts that they 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 don't really have a set list that they kind of take kind of take for quests um a lot a lot of the way through and are like like hey uh, play this song like, like do your cover of uh do your cover of Saturday Saturday Night's All Right which is actually a really a really good cover. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it is that that mm. it, that is the only song that gets better whenever you add Kid Rock mm. to do, to do the second verse. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you can go from how you remind me right into anything from Master of Puppets or like anything from Vulgar Display of Power, you know what I mean? Which they do. You know, they rip out Pantera songs in the middle of their sets and shit. And you're like, you just, you don't oh. see it coming. Do you know what I mean? Like ripping out no. Dimebag solos. You don't expect that from fucking, you know, the, from Nickelback. But I mean, I, they do it, man. They're fucking, they're an unbelievable band. Whatever the, uh, whatever the Killers played here uh, six years ago, I remember when they, there was like, all right, we're going to do a cover song. We're going to do either this one that like I don't think a lot of people had heard of, uh, and it was, or we're going to do we're going to do CCR's Bad Moon Rising. You, you never think Killers would do uh, would yeah. do a, would do a, do a John Fogerty song, and it was great too because like well like Andrew Andrew won't know what I mean, but like on the Charlottetown event grounds, like the, yeah, the Hillsborough Bridge, and right. you have like the Hillsborough River, but then they had like the full moon. It was like was just was right beside it while they were playing the song. And it was so eerie. It was it was so cool. Uh, moment, sort of man. like a right place at the right time. But yeah, yeah. The uh, kill- oh, oh, once I'm sorry, man, I interrupt. But sorry. like the Killers, um, another great fucking cover that you don't think they do a f- unbelievable rendition of Romeo and Juliet by the Dire Straits. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys ever heard that. Um, they recorded it at Abbey Road when they went in for their Abbey Road live sessions. Mm-hmm. And okay, cool. I, yeah. So if you're a Dire Straits fan and you dig that tune, check out the Killers version because it's fucking so good. It it it, it, it slaps. Yeah, that, that, nice. it's a great cover. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to the next question. Uh, what artist is your guilty pleasure? <sighs> That's another one of those terms that I don't like because I don't think it should be guilty. If you like something, you like it. But like I um, and if, like that um. The, the, the what the uh, Billy Eilish's last record, where do we all where do we go when we fall asleep? Yeah. Um, I was really 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 blown away by that record. Um, just the songwriting on it is so good, and the fact that she's so young. A lot of that has to do with her brother Phineas. But oh yeah, I just think she's super super unique. Um, a lot of people like shit on her because she's like, oh, she's just whispering. But like what she does and how she does it is actually really fucking difficult. Um, and the fact that she's as young as she is and as talented as she is and can write as well as she does really fucking threw me for a loop because that's usually not like my my area. Um, and then another one was um, that that last Harry Styles record, you know, like I never would, in a million years would have thought that I'd be digging a One Direction fucking boy band, dude. Mm-hmm. But same thing, man. It's just great. Great songs are great songs. And regardless of what genre you're in or what you know what I mean? Like if you're Justin fucking Bieber or you're Justin Vernon, you know what I mean? If you write a good song, it's a fucking good song. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, ha- I have this, I had the same, yeah, I kind of had the same answer when I uh, did my episode. Whereas like, I don't feel guilty about the songs I like because I don't particularly, I'm not one of those people who's particularly like, Oh, all of the songs by this person are trash or all of the songs by this person are amazing. If it's a great song, it's a great song. Uh, and I'm kind of with you on um, both of your picks. Uh, I think that Billie Eilish, um, her ability to use her vocals, like the way that she's able to control it is leaps and bounds better than a lot of other people, like twice her age. Like when you listen to things like when the party's over where she's so controlled 
but you just feel the anger behind the the vocals and it's amazing and i was also genuinely surprised by how much i like harry styles him and niall horan i think have done a really good job transitioning from one direction to their solo work and becoming their own artist in doing so i mean am Uh, i gonna go out and and drop you know 170 bucks on a fucking niall horan ticket you know probably not you know, am I going to wait in line with a bunch of preteens to go see Harry Styles with his fucking frilly shirt and his, you know, his deep V's? <laughs> Probably not. But like, if that record's on or if I hear that song, am I going to admit it's a good song? Hell yeah, I will. You know, yeah. um, I don't think there's anything guilty about it. I think the only real exception would be like fucking, I was just going to say, are you Jimmy Ray? But that's not guilty at all. Yo, that song is so good. <laughs> that song's a banger, man. I was just at the other day. I mean, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. You know, yeah. it's like, are you Jim? Yes, you do. You literally are Jimmy Ray. Are you Stingray? What the fuck are you talking are you about? St- no, I'm not Stingray. <laughs> Who want, you want to know, you fucking idiot. Um, my favorite of Billy Eilish's, uh, Billy Eilish's tunes uh, would definitely be Bury a Friend. Um, I, again, it's sort of like, it sort of labels her into a genre, but that song in particular um, is really like a, a horror horror pop re- re- revival. It's really eerie. And like what she, and what she does um, what she does musically, like what, like how she goes, because um, it's because it's, it's it's NG, but she does like some some weird weird minor stuff, and then for it to come back come back to where it is, um, I think is a re- I think is really uh, really good in terms of like technicality um, and just how how interesting you can you can go with a with, with a pop song because I think pop songs and especially nowadays are very like. Very straightforward, you know, like the like 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 the four chord songs that that everybody sort of co- copy and paste. But you know, she's stepping out of the bounds. You know what? And you know what? She even got she even got a James Bond song. So like, it it's, 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 it shows it shows the proof of concept. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. Um. Just going back to that record too. I mean, like it's it's one of those things where it's kind of all over the place too. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of really deep, intricate shit going on. And then you, you're like, she's 17? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. the fuck do you f- know how that feels? You know? Like, I always I always love the uh, I love the YouTube videos because I think it's like, it's Vanity Fair or Elle or somebody does a video. It's like every year they interview, interview Billy Eilish. And it's like the first year. I'm like, how many followers you have on Instagram? It's like, oh, I have 50,000. Next year, oh, yeah, I have like 3.2 million. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, next year, okay, I've. But it's it's, it's great to see somebody like her get the recognition. Somebody who's who kind of, who deserves it. You know what I mean? Over say like fucking Aesop Rocky or whatever the fuck it is or whatever the you know what I mean? Like oh yeah oh, or uh, oh, I thought I thought you went I thought you said Aesop Rock for a minute and I was like oh, oh no, no 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 tenacious or like what is it tenacious six nine or whatever the fuck his name is tattoo face ice cream face you know I just don't but so it's yeah so it's great you know but it's like. I just wish we had, I wish we had more of that. You know, I always yeah. think like the analogy I used when I first heard Billy Aj, I was like, it's kind of like Adele joined the killing joke. You know what I mean? It's like this weird yeah. 80s synth pop, fucking weird, doomy kind of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. But so it's great. It just kind of caught me off guard. Fucking fantastic nice. record. Now All you got right, me thinking uh, of the killing joke. Nice. I'll go to the next question. Uh, what artist or band do you think is overrated? Kanye, Drake, easy, top two. Listen, guys, I um, I got a lot of friends who are like hip hop heads and, and producers, and 
you know, they all said, you know, you got to give Kanye a chance. And I did. There was there was a good like six, seven day period where I went through that entire dude's fucking catalog start to finish. I just don't get it. I don't get the hype. He's a decent producer. Uh, but is he the greatest fucking rapper of all time? No, no, not even not even fucking top 10. He's he falls short. It's just it's all hype is what it is. And then Drake, don't even get me started on fucking wheelchair, Jimmy. I don't know how that dude. I don't know how that fucking dude got so popular. I just I don't get it. You know what I mean? It's like, and the number one argument I get from people is like, "Oh man, the beat slaps." I'm like, dude, who gives a fuck about the like? What the fuck is he saying? Nothing. Yeah. You know, he just like that shit. If if your whole song is five minutes and four and a half of it are just repeating the fucking chorus, it's not a song. It's a loop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I get it, man. It's yeah. God's plan. You know what I mean? Like God needs a fucking different plan. Like, <laughs> fucking all right, time, time to exhibit uh, Plan C. <laughs> yeah, fucking uh, go back to Degrassi. Plan C. Yeah, I, I, okay, I will, I will defend Drake. I do, I do like his stuff. I do like God's, I do like God's plan. Um, Hotline Bling. It's well, dumb, it a but it's dumb, but it, it's dumb, but it works. Um, I, I loved it. Um. I love it because they because this hour has twenty two minutes to use this. Um, it was after the twenty fifteen election, um, and that was the year like that was the year Trudeau won. Uh, but uh, John Mulcair, who was the leader leader of the NDPs, uh, had had uh, he didn't he didn't get in, and they're like we now we now go to him for his thoughts, and it's and they uh, and they had him in the music video for Hotline Bling, and I think that was just kind of kind of kind of kind of funny. It's, oh it's, it's it's good that they're that they're able to do that. Um, I mean, it pains me to say it because he's Canadian, you know, and I, 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 I try to show the love to the CanCon as much as I can, man, but I just, I don't get it. I just don't, there's way better artists out there, way better than, like Jesse Reyes, for instance, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. You know, uh, Alessia Cara is another one, man. Fucking, no, there's she a fucking. Dumped. She seemed to have gotten dumped in the popular consciousness so quick. Yeah. And like that, it was that was unfair because her last album, like Growing Pains, the song itself was actually like really tight. Yeah. Um, I know I know some people give me uh give me a give me a tough time for, for remembering her. Uh but Fifi Dobson was actually oh, really, yeah, was man. actually really good. Uh Ghost was uh I think was her like her last big single. Um, you know, it's it's really good for like for for the time. She just got tossed in, unfortunately, with that whole Avril Lavigne scene, you know, mm-hmm. with the and and people just kind of saw her as like the <laughs> the, the, the new wave Avril, you know. So yeah. she kind of get lumped into that, I guess, you know. Um, but yeah, it's but I mean, they're still they're still doing stuff, you know. They're still making music, and they're, they're obviously they're not as popular as they once were. But you know, mm-hmm. as long as you're out there and they're still making money doing what they love to do um for anime if you're if you want to get into like the the more canadian kind of thing um and you're you're digging like the jesse reyes kind of vibe um there's a great band out of toronto right now called jackie okay you've heard jackie um oh. she's got this new record out. it's called new drugs um you should check it out i think you'll dig it if you're into that kind of thing oh, just to cool. throw it out there I've actually it's talking about like uh talking about Canadian female bands have actually been uh, in a bit of a metric phase uh the, oh, the last yeah. little bit because and they and they all and they also they they uh they co-headlined with July Talk the last time last time we saw them um and getting to see them live uh was 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 really cool. Did you ever get into the Emily Haynes and the Soft Skeleton stuff? Yes, I did. Yeah. I have not. Yes, yeah. it's good shit. It good is. Shit. I I will say before we move on, um, there. Were, there is one Drake song that I actually really love a lot, and it's called Take Care. 
But I think the reason behind that is because instead of like the normal producers that he works with giving him the exact same beat every time, he actually worked with Jamie XX, who really takes that song to an incredible new height. I'll have to check it out. What's it called again? Take Care. Take Care. All right. Because they they sample, he samples a Gil Scott Heron uh, poem that plays like through it. And it's amazing. Way to go, Wheelchair Jimmy, with the fucking GSH. <laughs> right on. All right. One of the next question. Uh, what's your favorite concert you've been to? Oh, man. You know, I've been to some big ones. Um, and I don't know if it's like the older that I get, but some of the better concerts that I've been to have been kind of smaller. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a place here in the island called the Trailside Cafe um, that holds maybe maybe 65 people. Um, and I've seen some of the best shows I've ever seen in my life there. Um, but um, ones that stand out, um, I had mentioned um, Winter Sleep and Matt Mays in St. John. Um, Winter Sleep has always kind of been a, a big, ever since you know, yeah. contrived and stuff. They're just a great live man. And I, I love Matt Mays. Um, but thinking back on it, um, I just saw the tea party recently at the PEI Brewing Company. Yes, yeah, that and was they, one, of the, one of the last concerts before everything happened. Um, that was another great uh, when I was like 19, I went to Boston and to this shitty, dingy club called the Middle East, which is <laughs> anyway. Um, and I saw him, 18 Visions, and Kill Hannah. And it wasn't like necessarily like the greatest like show I've ever seen, but there was like 500 people in a 350 capacity room like it was just like shoulder to shoulder and like some dude got his teeth knocked out and like it was and you know way back in the day i'm going way on to this but way way back in the day when i was like still a scene kid right um there used to be this place on um on water street called um the house of rock so it was like the local community rock show house right like this dude just had a house and he'd invite bands from all over the maritimes to come in and he'd they take a donation thing at the door so this band called Closet Monster actually played there one time with this other band called Bombs Over Providence. And the big thing around Closet Monster at that time was that their lead singer, London, was the bass player for Avril Lavigne at the time. So he was like hot shit. Ah. So he came to play. And that was like the first house party show I'd ever been to. So like some dude got his fucking forehead cut on a ceiling fan. <laughs> and like it was, it was bananas, man. So it's like, I that's I like you know that's like when shit like that happens. Like I love those weird chaotic fucking moments that happens at rock shows. But the reason I bring up that Matt May show is because like my best friend in the whole world, he's like a he is like narcolepsy, not like not really, but like he just passes out fucking everywhere. So we were in the middle of this huge crowd, probably like a fifteen hundred people, and Matt Mays is ripping out the solo to Cocaine Cowgirl, and I look over and this dude's fucking legit asleep standing up. <laughs> and I'm like, how does that happen? <laughs> how does that happen? And I had to like nudge him. And like he wakes up and he's like, oh, and then like two seconds later, he's just right back to it. He's just snoozing Sarandon all over again. And I'm like, how the fuck does that happen? So that's yeah. That's it was crazy. a great, it was a great show. I'm not saying anything against Matt, but I mean, like, that's just something you remember, you know. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny when it, whenever you mentioned uh, the House of House of Rock, it reminded me of like because Sue was also a massive a, a massive scene kid. Went to those all ages shows at the uh, at the Benevolent Irish Irish yeah, Society, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. Um, you know, and they had to 
and they, 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 they had to stop there because you know there was so much damage being done and you hear the stories of like of, of being being in those pits um and you know it, it's actually like one of the one of the more friendlier places to be because as soon as you fall everybody stops and, yeah. and picks you back up you know it's a very like very comrade sort of sort, sort of mentality I think it's it's like a rite of passage. I think everybody should experience a real fucking down to earth bananas fucking punk rock mosh pit. Um, because it number one, it makes you learn how to deal with a mosh pit if you're ever caught in one, and then two, it teaches you how to avoid a fucking mosh pit. You know, so it's like two very important things. You know, I think and, the uh, oh sorry, you say no, and ju- and just kind of going back to the whole the importance of just going to a local rock show and supporting a fucking up and coming local rock band. You know, that's just something that doesn't happen as much these days. Yeah. Or maybe I say that cause like, you know, as you get older, you kind of disconnect from your scene a little bit. Um, mm. But I mean, and everybody is going to think that their scene growing up is, was, was the best scene, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean that, that shit, like I, th- those early punk shows and shit always stick out my mind. Cause that's like your first real experience, right? Before you have a chance to go to an actual concert, you go to like a local all yeah. ages show, right? You, yeah. Yeah. Or you, or you go see like, I remember, I remember seeing like, like cancer bats at hunters or, yeah. like, or, or like, or like gob, like the, the match yeah. that they, they had for gob was insane. Dude, gob played, they played the burn, the UPEI burn like way back in the day. And that fucking show was bananas. And like from local shows, there's a band around here now. They're called the Royal North. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you're the Royal North. Bud's mine, but um, that's where I've like discovered like one of my favorite bands called Flush. Um, and like to this day, I'm like I'm I'm pretty good friends with the lead singer. You know what I mean? Like we just over time, just kind of like yeah. So I mean, like that shit's so fucking important, man. So yeah. Um, all right, move on then to the next question. Uh, what is uh, what's your favorite soundtrack? Um, well, actually, I just I mentioned a couple in that um, in the thing. I mentioned all the uh, all the Ennio Morricone soundtracks um, yeah. from those the, the trilogy of the Sergio Leone movies, like the you know the Good, Bad, the Ugly, uh, Fistful of Dollars, a Few Dollars More. Um, those are all fuck. I love that spaghetti western stuff. Um, there's just such a weird like feel to all those old soundtracks those old italian spaghetti westerns you know what i mean it's so good um but for i, I like soundtracks I, I i tend to like the soundtracks that are original scores as opposed to like compilations you know what i mean like okay. guardians of the galaxy volume one and two i mean it's, it's great compilation record but like is it really a soundtrack um, can, can, I, I I need you. I I, I can, can I just can I have you on call because because <laughs> yeah. in, in like in this sphere, people think people think uh, the first soundtrack in particular is like one of the greatest soundtracks ever because they're like, oh, it's a char- it's a character in a movie, and it's like, no, it's a trip down nostalgia like down yeah. nostalgia lane. Yeah, it's like, it's not it's not a soundtrack. It's um, it's yeah. you know it's the soundtrack maybe of the movie, but it's not the soundtrack to the movie. You know. Right, because a lot, a lot of the times when people use songs like pre-existing songs as part of their soundtrack, it generally is to set like set a scene of like where we are in time and things like that. But then, they like, days are confused. It does does perfect. Really good job yeah, of that. I think does the best version of that. Right, but the Guardians of the Galaxy. You're you're right. It's it's just like a this song sounds good here. 
Yeah, I mean, you yeah. could, you could argue that a soundtrack just kind of carries along the movie, but I think a soundtrack is going to have a little bit more weight with me when the soundtrack is made specifically for that movie, for that scene, for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just it it heightens it up, you know, so that every time you hear that particular song, you're going to think of that movie, right? right. Um, That's something that John Carney does extremely well yeah. in all of the movies that he does. And John Carpenter, right? Yeah. And he scores oh his God, own movies. Yes. He scores his own movies, right? Um, Quentin Tarantino does a fantastic job, too. Um, he does the compilation kind of a thing. But, I mean, he also does original songs. Like, he works with Robert Rodriguez, and they did the Once Upon a Time Mexico stuff. Um, even uh, on Django Unchained, that opening that opening track from Django Unchained is an original tune that he had made specifically for the film, you know? Oh, cool. um, so yeah, so it's like if if you're able to do that, I just I like when soundtracks work with the movie as opposed to just like being a part of the movie. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, but I mentioned um, the the one that I I hope you guys did yeah yeah the, yeah the one that you mentioned is is fucking interesting. It's it's, a, uh, it's something I almost mentioned because I I had listened to it. I think it was on so we're recording this on a Thursday and I listened to it on Monday. I almost messaged I almost messaged you as I was listening to it and I'm like what what is the soundtrack? It's 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 just it's very it's, out there. It's fucking weird, man. But it's so great. It's so great. Um, I, but like a couple of weeks ago, I just picked up this like the Goonies soundtrack too, um, which is just a lot of Cyndi Lauper for some reason. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the, you know what I mean. Like and there's gonna be there's gonna be records like that that just like oh, okay, it's the fucking Goonies, man. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know if you guys know the movie High Fidelity. Yes, which John, I know. Okay. I know, but Andrew does too. That's the only that fucking Peter fucking Frampton. That's the only movie in existence that has ever referenced the beta band. And I, yes. I, I never understood uh. that. I'm like, how the fuck is that a thing? Um, so yeah, uh, that, that I'm kind of I'm kind of contradicting song. myself because like now that I think of it, that is a fucking really good soundtrack, but that's just a fucking killer movie, too. Um, but yeah, I mean that high fidelity soundtrack is another one. Um, I just bought the Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas soundtrack. Um Ooh. Which is it's I like it just because of the speaking parts because it's a lot of Hunter's written work, but it kind of flows like in and out. So um yeah. it's kind of cool. Um but yeah, the Christopher Nolan stuff is fantastic too, man. Um his yeah, his work with uh with Hans Zimmer, yeah, uh, and then uh Thomas Newton Howard, I believe, is the yeah. person who helped him yeah. with with Dark Knight. Yeah. And then you can like and then there's anything Danny Elfman's ever done, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um you know, there's also shit. I'm really into soundtracks now. I really fucking dig. Yeah, I, I I I I always love, uh, especially because like, uh, with with the uh, like scores and soundtrack questions. It's like you know who composed the score for 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 so and so, and it's like usually you either see either John Williams, Hans Zimmer, Danny Elfman, or like uh, or like Thomas Jerry Newman. Goldsmith. Yeah, Jerry Gold bringing up the Jerry Goldsmith. So like, because yeah, he because he did a lot of the uh, Star Trek, I believe. Yeah. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very rare you're going to hear someone like uh, Elmer Bernstein or Bernard Herman. Yeah, uh, Cindy Bernard Herman. Yeah, or geez, you see uh, Michael Giacchino. Michael Giacchino. Giacchino. Giacchino gets yeah. mentioned a lot. Oh, uh, dude, what, how much work he does for Disney and uh, uh, who's the dude that did the Drive soundtrack? Um, oh, dude, the, the Italian. Where, dude. where's Caleb Coho? Whenever you need him. Yeah, uh, right. Let me let me bring that up right up. Um, <laughs> yeah, do that. My my favorite um, composer who doesn't work a lot, but whenever he does work, it's some of my favorite work of uh, like that year. It's John Bryan. 
I think John Bryan creates mm-hmm. these really intricate but it, uh, really impressive um, like scores, especially for like movies like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, where that score just really adds to the world that they're building in it. And that world is it's so it's it's something I like that's it's so weird because I love Jim Carrey, but Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is one of the ones that I I, I actually stopped halfway through. I was like, this is this and, oh yeah, it's a good oh, movie. It's like God. you know, because it's it's Michelle Gondry that directed it. Like it, he did, like you know, he does some really interesting stuff. Um, I'm going home. I'm taking my ball I, and I'm going home. All right. Well, you know what? To, 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 to each their own. You do, you do. You. Um, we'll move on to the next question, though. Uh, what local act uh, should people listen to more? Uh, for me, like if it's a local act, there's so many great um, bands is here on PEI. Um, I always I always have to bring up the Royal North just because. Um, I mean, I have a little bit of a history with them, and I know the dudes personally. But um, the the weight of that, if for anybody who don't know the band, um, if you like a classic kind of Canadian kind of rock, you know what I mean? They're just a great band to check out. But the reason why I love them so much is because everybody in that band is not only a great musician, but they're also just great dudes. And they've been such huge supporters of local music for so long. Um, and they just kind of, for whatever reason, never like always get that taste of like getting to that next level. And then for whatever reason, just, you know, just never fucking quite get there. But now they're starting to, with this new band with the Royal North, they're starting to, to make a little bit of headway and stuff. So for the last like four or five years, I've been really trying to push these guys because I think they're just fucking great people. Um, yeah. But I mean, there's uh, also people like Dennis Ellsworth. Um, if you like singer songwriters, Dennis, the guy puts out a new record like every eight days. Um, wow! Like I don't like I don't know not fig- like figuratively, um, but I don't know where he comes up with them. Uh, Logan Richard is another up and comer, uh, young dude, great guitar player, great songwriter. Um, and then if you want to get kind of technical, I mean, they're not really from Charlottetown, but I mean, they're Charlottetown based and always a lot of people know who always is, but. Oh my God. I love always. Yeah. They're one of my favorite. Band. Yeah. They're one of my favorite, like new bands of like last, uh, the, the last decade. Yeah. It's great, great, great record. I mean, I don't think they really have the Charlottetown dies anymore, but I mean, you know, mm-hmm. Emily's from, or um, yeah, she, you know, she's from PEI. Um, so yeah, man, there's, you know, there's, there's all sorts of them, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, when you mentioned Royal North, like obviously, like with uh, Chris Christiel, and then uh, it's the McDonald brothers. Uh, I can't remember their first names, but they're I'm they're all, they're also, yeah, they're also a copycast. Because um, because uh, I used to work with uh, I used to work with Brett, who was the who, who was their yeah. like the lead guitarist for Copycast. Uh, but yeah, um, I this question in particular is really really interesting because I think um, I think that like the scene for us compared to the scene for like. You know, like the U.S. like U.S. in terms of like in terms of like local is is, is really different because when you talk about like you know like hometown heroes and like and people that like you were listening to growing up, um, you get to like I, I I'm I'm sure Andrew could probably relate to this, but like when you go to like the tri-state area, you know, if you're from if you're from Philly, you have Bruce Springsteen and you have you have Billy Joel. If you have if like New, All New York, New York, you have yeah, New York, you have like a ton of people like. Kiss and Frank Sinatra and a plethora of others, and I'm like, you know, New Jersey. You Dude, wait, uh, sorry, Andrew, are you you're from you're from Pittsburgh or Philly? Philly. Oh, I'm so originally you got, from the Philadelphia area. You got fucking war on drugs. 
Oh my God. Uh, Let's I love the war on modern drugs. baseball. So you got Circa Survive. You got the Dead Milkmen. I think mm-hmm. they're from I think they're from Philly. Uh so yeah, you, I don't know yeah, about that one, but you're doing way better than we are, man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, we, yeah, we I, some spheres of music in the hip hop scene, we're doing awful. Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to like rock and things like that, absolutely. Yeah. Some other uh, some other bands from here that I that, that I really like. Uh and some are some are Still active, some some are not, but I was like going back to listen to them. Uh, Syracuse me was a uh, was it yeah. was, was a great punk band back back in the day. Uh, you have uh, Chuck and Danger Band, uh, we're now known as Paper Lions. Mm-hmm. Uh, little cities, little little cities. Matt, Matt Hanna and the boys, mm-hmm. um, and then who? Oh, Jesus! Well, the, no, Death yeah, Valley like, Driver, man, DBD, yeah. all the Money. way. Uh, oh my God! Who else? Uh, I'll sorry. They're not necessarily a band, but they, but things that I always always love going to um, are the Jazz Knights up uh, up at Baba's. Um, I, for, I forget I forget who runs them, but uh, but Chris Martell was a uh, was a was a guy that got that got me into, into them. But he's part of like that that crew that'll play on Victoria Park uh, every yeah. every every other weeknight. But I think those are really interesting because I, I always love seeing people jam out, and then even like at the like. Um, uh, I don't know if they if, if they did it like whenever things started happening, but uh, at the factory, uh, the, the the blues matinee at yep. uh, sat- Saturday afternoons two o'clock, just just times times to jam out. I think I think that's what the that's what PEI really benefits from is just there's a lot of like singer songwriters and people are just trying out new shit. Open mics here, open mics at Baba's are so fun because people often try out their try out their new stuff. Yeah, and I mean we're not we're not just fiddle music, you know. We're not just fucking Kaylee's and lobster rolls, you know. Like we've no, got wait, what? You know what I mean? <laughs> we've got we've got. I mean Irish Mythen, who's obviously not from here, but she she hangs her head here now. And then you have like bands like on the pumps, like there's Fishkill, which is a fucking great fucking band, up and coming band. Um, like there the, there's so many, there's so yeah. so many, but it's not I probably don't even know about it anymore, right? Um. um no, it was funny because whenever because whenever this all whenever this had all started, the, obviously this is a great time to like really like catch up on like music and movies, anything that you had listened to. Um, in terms of like East Coast rock, I was definitely more so like like a Joel Plaskett, like Two Hours Traffic, hmm. that uh, th- those kind of guys. So then I was finally like, all right, I'm gonna check I'm gonna check out Matt Mace because I know Matt Mace is somebody that I haven't like really like delved into a whole lot. Um, so then I checked out the uh, Indio uh, from two that from 2012. Uh, or no, sorry, uh, Coyote. Coyote, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, Coyote. Yeah, the first, the first track, yeah. Um, and it's a damn, it's a damn good album. And I actually, it was funny. I, I sent it to Andrew probably, probably yeah. about a month ago. So I got him into uh, into some East Coast rock. So I'm actually oh, curious to hear your thoughts. So, uh, so Coyote is Coyote was his his biggest record commercially. Uh, he recorded that down in New York, and he got a little fucked up and had to step away from music for a little bit after that. Um, but if if you want to get into what I think is the probably best Matt Mays era, that first El Torpedo record, that self titled Matt Mays and El Torpedo record, um, holy okay. fuck, it's so good. And then he's got another record called Terminal Romance um, that he recorded. Record, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, with the with the name Chris Sangaretti's. But uh, he's he's a producer from the UK who's done work with fucking Saxon and Black Sabbath and fucking Anvil, I guess, most recently is probably. Um, okay. So just kind of took that and they just made a really fucking solid rock record, man. Um, his latest, his last record, Once Upon a Hell of a Time. He's got another one called Twice Upon a Hell of a Time, which is the acoustic. Another great record. A lot of really, really good songs on it. 
Um, one of those dudes that's just like consistently from day one, whatever he does is always generally really fucking good. Um, and I, he's one of those Canadian artists that for whatever reason, it just keeps getting turned a blind eye right when he's just about to kind of get to that cusp, you know, it just kind of mm-hmm. backfires on. And then the other guy that I mentioned in my answers, uh, with Brooklyn was, uh, was his kind of his, his guitarist, actually his, his cohort, Adam Baldwin, um, another great fucking singer songwriter, great songs. Another guy that's kind of ignored, but, um, yeah, man, that that Coyote record <laughs> to get back on track. Um, what not particularly my favorite Matt Mays record. I'm not saying it's not a great record because it is, but I think I just have so much time invested in in that first El Torpedo record. Yeah, because it was just so good. Um, that f- from that opening track, Stand Down at Sundown, it's just it just sets the tone for the whole fucking record. And if you got like if you got forty five minutes to kill after this podcast, I would go and download that shit and and fucking listen to that shit because it's a fucking great record. Already Absolutely. looking it up. Nice. Uh, there's there's there was one band I wanted to bring up right quick before we get get to the last one because I think um, in terms of like in terms of their hits, you don't realize how many they actually have. Uh, but it's actually April Wine. Um, you yeah. think about like you think about how many hits they have like. Um, uh, Fall in Love, Weeping Willow. Uh, what's the one that they? Weeping oh my God! I, I like I like to rock. Uh, where they 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 steal riffs from uh from uh Ichio, Oh man. my God! Uh, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I like to rock. Just between you and me, fucking Sign of the Gypsy Queen, Roller. Uh, oh, what a night! Bad Side of the Moon. Um, say hello. Oh, um, yeah. Drop your guns. Um, all right, adding yeah. this to my list. Yeah. Oh, dude, uh, it, it, it's one of, another one of those bands that people like to shit on. It's kind of like Kim Mitchell, you know. I, really? I kind of have, <laughs> I kind of have a love hate relationship because, I like I said, I I used to work in radio, right? So like, if you listen to classic rock, every twenty minutes is a fucking April Wine song. And True. And you know what I mean? So I, I'm a little oversaturated to it, but I mean, I, that doesn't take away from, from the greatness of the band, but for me... I find that with uh, I find out with Rush in, in, in particular. There's a lot of Rush being played. On, Are you guys, uh, on either one of you guys Rush fans? Yes. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Okay, because, okay, we can't be friends. I don't, I'm going to get castrated. I am not a Rush fan. I don't, Interesting. whatever. They're, okay. you know, hey, if, if you're into it, I know, like, People, I don't get the obsession people have with that fucking band, man. Yeah, is it, I get, is, it, I get is, it the, is it the band itself, or is it like because because like like again, this this sort of label a genre, but prog rock is is definitely like one of the more out there like sub genres of rock. You have like your like like King Crimson's and and Yes and uh, you also Eric have like Emerson, Emerson like a Palmer. Yeah, dude, I mentioned earlier that I like Asia. So the fact that I'm comfortable <laughs> admitting that I like Asia. <laughs> And not rush, you know. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't. I never got it. I mean, I'm not taking away anything from the band. I mean, fucking Alex Lifeson and fucking Neil Peart, Gaddy Lee, bass player. I'm like unbelievable, man. Unbelievable band. It's just a little too much for me. Um, okay. Yeah, fair. it's just you know, 2112. There's a lot going on in that record, which is not a bad thing. There's just, it's just too much for my fucking, for my brain, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, going on to the last question, we're finally got here. Uh, what is your favorite one-hit wonder? Oh, dude, uh, "Sex and Candy" by Marcy Playground. Nice. And the reason being <laughs> is because 
like I said in my answer, uh, that record, believe it or not, is fucking so good. That whole Mercy Playground record is so good. And I never would have thought it. Bought that record strictly for the single, put it on. It turns out it's a fucking killer record. Um, so, yeah. And I, I still love that record to this day. But, I mean, there's, there's a lot of them, man. You know, like, I mean, you could say that, you know, you could say, are you Jimmy Ray, I guess. Um, you know, there's like How Bizarre by OMC. You know, all that weird old 90s oh shit. You know what I mean? Like Fastball was a two-hit wonder, but like Fastball yes. had some fucking great tunes. Yeah, right? I saw them in concert. They were fantastic. I love Fastball, man. Uh, one, yeah. I know one, one here that that gets that gets lumped in quite a bit, and Andrew's gonna cringe whenever I whenever I say it is okay. the Brannigan Ladies. Well, uh, wait, why would I cringe? Because everybody in this community hates the Brannigan Ladies. I love the Brannigan Ladies. What, like, well, then why don't I hear more more from you? I hear like, <laughs> yeah, well, they only have one week, and it's like, no, go listen. No, to no. Odds are is one of my favorite go songs in the entire 2010s. Go listen to so, like even Silver Department, Bar, man. Their, their, their last oh, record, Old Department, Shoebox. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm yeah, personally Jane. a fan of uh, of uh, some fantastic. Uh, is one of the one of their deeper cuts from uh, stunt. Do you um, do you know John Matthews at all, Brooklyn? From here, he's the producer owns. Not really. You guys need to get together and go bowling, man, because that dude is the biggest fucking bare naked ladies fan I know. And he's uh, yeah, hey man, you can't take anything away from the from the ladies, man. I had a chance to interview um, Tyler. The I can't remember his last Tyler, name. Tyler Stewart, the, Tyler uh, the Stewart, drummer. their drummer. Um, and what just fucking great dude, man. Yeah. Just a bunch we, of like, but just a couple of just, I, I mean, this nice of apostles, just a couple of fucking dummies. Do you know what I mean? That just fucking, <laughs> I, mean, you know I, mean? I mean, they're like, like they, they went viral off of, uh, off of, uh, they, they recorded Be My Yoko Ono and one of those, uh, the like much music those, video like, corners. Yeah. Right? The, 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 like, like, like little, like one minute, one or two minute recordings. And, uh, five of them got, got into this little, like four by four, but four by four foot square. Um, and played one of the most like upbeat songs ever. Uh, it's um, Stephen Page, by the way. In case if anybody doesn't know, is in a super group now called the Trans Canada Highwaymen. Oh, cool! So it's Stephen Page, Mo Berg from the Pursuit of Happiness, Chris Murphy from Sloan. Um, yes. Okay. Oh, so and, he joined them because they've been they've yeah. been around for a little bit, haven't they? So he's yeah, he's with them now, and I can't remember the dude's name from Odds for the fucking life of me. Um, Not gonna get it from me. Uh, Sloan, Sloan is a, is another uh, another band from uh, from around the area. They, oh, they dude, you don't also, know Sloan? Check out. Me, Andrew, you don't know Sloan? What? No. Oh, okay, can I let me backtrack and throw Sloan on the list of fucking underrated okay. bands people need to listen to? Dude, Sloan was like right the biggest thing to come out of East Coast Canada in the in the mid nineties. Like they got signed to Sub Pop very briefly. <laughs> And then went to Geffen, like when that whole thing was going on. And so for a band from from Nova Scotia to like be on the same label as Nirvana was like, and there was three bands. There was Jail, Eric's Trip, Sloan, um, all fucking great bands from back in the day. Now, see, that's why I don't like answering these kinds of questions because I can't, I fucking think of shit. And then I start talking about it and I come up with 15 other fucking bands. Listen, listen, that's, that's, that's my, that's my life on, on, on the show is you start, you start at one point and then you get, you just get all the way sidetracked and then you have to like eventually like pull yourself back in and you do that like about 12 times, 12 yeah. times on the show. Uh, but to get back to the actual question, yeah, sorry, uh, yeah. sex, sex and sex and candy. That that riff, uh, like into 
the court, like, I smell sex. And um, whenever I first started dating my wife, um, it was a friend of her sister's would play that song all the time. Um, and then I eventually started to, like, just started to pick it up. But that riff is so satisfying to play when it, when, whenever you hit it because it's, it's such a nice transition to but go from. Know, the, know. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, cause, cause you go for cause like the verse is like pretty like somber, you know, uh, hanging around downtown by myself, and then it's like I smell sex and candy. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's damn, it's really it's super like somber and laid back. But that is gonna end it. Um, that is gonna end a really fun episode uh, of Jam Session. Uh, I was curious to hear, curious as to how this is gonna turn out. Uh, we never had three people, but I think it worked uh, quite well. Um, so Joey, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming on. Uh, a great voice for uh, for for Island Music. So I was really glad to get your uh, get your thoughts and have you on here. Um, if, if people keep if people want to keep hearing you talk, uh, where can people hear you talk? Uh, so for the last five years, me and two of my friends have been doing it. Uh, it's it, it used to it started off as an East Coast pop, pop music podcast. So basically, what we do is we would only promote East Coast music. But as the years gone on and progressed, we've kind of since branched out. So now we're kind of we talk about everything. It's mostly just a lot of shit and dick jokes. Um, but it's called yeah. East of the Dial. Um, we have over 140 some episodes that you can stream now on Spotify. We've had to take a little bit of a hiatus just because of the fucking you know since the war broke out, since the end of the fucking world or whatever. Um, and then the girl that we do the podcast with Allie just had a baby. Uh, so, you know, having a baby doing a podcast is, you know, probably generally frowned upon. Um, so yeah, but you can check us out. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Podbean. We're on SoundCloud. If you're into that, um, you can check us out on Facebook. Uh, we're on iTunes, all the social media channels, or you can just head over to, to my Facebook page. I've got the link tree up there. But pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Um, we're also, um, once we get back out of the swing of things, we're actually affiliated with a great internet radio station out of Ottawa called Blast the Radio. Um, so we stream, we broadcast our episodes live Tuesday mornings at 8, 9 central um, at uh, blastradio.com. So you can check us out there. Cool. Uh, well, once again, thank you for uh, thank you for coming on, Andrew. I don't think is there any, anything uh, anything you want to plug before we uh, sign off. Not really. Um, just uh, support your local um, record shops and uh, other artistic venues during this time. Uh, a lot of them got hit really hard, um, especially financially. Um, so that's that's what I would like to use my t- uh, plug time for. Yeah, absolutely. Go go support. Go buy go buy CDs because I don't think I don't think enough people do that anymore. Go buy go buy phys- physical copies of stuff. And make sure that money gets right to the uh, right to the artist. But uh, once again, that is going to wrap things up. Uh, be sure to check out everything here on the Multiplex Entertainment podcast feed. Uh, we have uh, commentaries uh, from Multiplex of movies. Uh, Your list sucks is in the process of doing their. Uh, doing their top 100 movies of all, all time. Uh, then you can find episodes of uh, Movie Fan Zone, our debate league, and then on our YouTube channel, Multiplex Entertainment, uh, where we have Movie War Zone, Fandom Fights, which are both uh, movie trivia leagues, uh, and then there is uh, TV Throwdown, uh, which is our TV trivia league, uh, and then again, Your List Sucks in, on, on video form, uh, and then there's also uh, the Beanbag Boys, who's also on the podcast studio, and then Miscellaneous, uh, which is our pop culture trivia show that Andrew and I uh, and Doug do uh, every Sunday night at nine Eastern. Uh, but uh, once again, for Joey, for Adam, or for Adam, for Andrew, uh, and myself, cheers, guys, hey, and as always, try Can you eat you up, bitches? 